Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis of Bible Interact. We have been working on using ancient methods of searching the scriptures to penetrate a depth of meaning. People in the ancient world didn't have books. They memorized scripture and they heard it. So we need to listen. The key is that the biblical language is a very artistic language. It is filled with all kinds of artistic nuances, and we need to learn how to hear those and let them lead us into the depth of meaning. Now, before I go any farther, let me just explain that Bible Interact has an ITV site. You just go on your computer and type in BibleInteract.tv, and we have all kinds of teachings there so that you can... um, and, and it's not just one teacher. There are many of us that, that teach at Bible Interact. We come from different denominations, but we all believe that Scripture is inspired and authoritative, and we have different areas of expertise, so you can kind of pick pick what's interesting to you. My area of expertise are these ancient methods of searching the Scriptures and getting into the depth of meaning the way the people of ancient Israel would have done it. Now, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to take... The, the traditional thinking about Esau, which comes in large part from the New Testament, and I'm going to show you that the problem comes because we have been reading the literal words, the surface words, in Hebrew. This is called the Peshat, the plain and simple meaning. Now, the, uh, the Jewish sages believed that God had placed the plain and simple meaning there, and therefore we cannot eliminate it. However, since God was infinite, the depth of his word is infinite, and therefore there is also midrash, or a way of getting penetrating into that depth, and that's what we're going to do by looking at the artistic nature of the language. Now, I think the problem starts, in part certainly, in Romans chapter 9. If you have your Bible, you can, you can turn there. If not, I'll just read it for you. What we have in Romans chapter 9 are some citations of the Hebrew, from the Hebrew Scriptures. And the citations sound pretty condemning because... Let's see, wait, I'm in the wrong book. Let me get to Romans. Um, the, uh, what, okay, what we have here, we, there are actually four citations. And by the way, this, this is a form of um, halakhic midrash that draws out deeper meaning from Scripture. Now, I'm not going to explain halakhic midrash. I'm not going to show you how it does it. I'm simply going to point out to you that there are four citations. And the way halakhic midrash works is it will take two citations from the Hebrew Scriptures that are legally and conceptually similar and look at the relationship between them and, and from the Hebraic logic draw out the deeper meaning. The fir- our first citation says... Uh, and this is Paul speaking in his letter to the Romans. Uh, the children, let's see, the children are Abraham's descendants. Okay, neither are they. Okay, here's the citation. Through Isaac, your descendants will be named. All right? 
And this comes from, this is a, a citation from uh, Genesis chapter 21, verse 12, through Isaac your descendants will be named. What this means here is that Isaac is going to carry on the name of Abraham. Now, I'll explain to you in a minute what the, th- this is pointing toward the inheritance of the birthright. The birthright was a special inheritance given to those sons who were in a position to lead God's people. Typically, the firstborn son was born to the birthright, but if he was not worthy to inherit the birthright, God would give it to one who was worthy. Um, um, Ishmael, Ishmael was born to the birthright. He was the firstborn son of Abraham, but he was not worthy to inherit that special inheritance. Um, and so through Isaac, uh, your descendants will be named. That It's referring to the birthright. Now, um, I, you'll see this in just a minute. Hold that thought for just a minute about this inheritance of the birthright. The next citation says, At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Well, this is the miraculous birth of Isaac, and and through Isaac the, the, the descendants will be named. We'll carry on the name of Abraham. So this is pointing to the selection of Isaac for something special. Now, I know you're jumping to conclusions saying, oh, but it's special this, special that, because that's what I've been taught. Let's just keep going, because there are two more citations here. We have the older will serve the younger. That's referring to um, uh, Esau and Jacob. Esau was clearly the firstborn. He was clearly born to the birthright. We can see that, because he sold his birthright to his younger brother. And... um, um, so the older will serve the younger, uh, and Jacob is the one who's going to inherit the birthright. And then the second citation, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now, I think this is there's a lot of problems coming here with the word hate. The word hate is an English word, and it, it means essentially another synonym is to despise. And, and we think, well, if if God hated Esau, then Esau does not belong to God. God has dismissed Esau. He no longer belongs to God. And, 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 and that comes from our English understanding of the word hate. But what you need to do is to, to get the biblical concept. And the only way to do that is to see other verses where the word is used. The, the Hebrew word, by the way, is sane. Um, and um, it has pretty strong sense, you know. But, but it's, it's not... It's it's not exactly the English word hate. So let me give you an, another verse here because we see in um, uh, Genesis 29, verse 31, the Lord saw that Leah was hated. Now, it's translated unloved in my version, but it's exactly the same word as... Um, as, as the citation in Romans. See, Romans cited from Malachi when uh, Jacob I loved but Esau I hated was a citation of the Hebrew Scriptures. And you go back and you see that word in the Hebrew Scriptures that it's sane. And this is exactly the same word. It's translated unloved. Let me read it unloved. The Lord saw that Leah was unloved, Hebrew word sane, and he opened her womb, but Rachel, Rachel, was barren. So this this concept of of hate is simply to be not loved. (laughs) It's not loved. You cannot imagine Jacob hating or despising Leah. That wasn't true. He loved Rachel, but he didn't have this English sense of, of 
intense hatred toward his wife Leah. He didn't have it. He didn't love her because he loved Rachel, but he he didn't have the English sense of hate. So I think what we've got here is 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 you know we're we're reading it in the English. We've translated it in English, and we've drawn some conclusions here. Now, I've been talking about the the birthright as a special inheritance. And the firstborn son was born to the birthright, but if he was not worthy to inherit it because it was a leadership role, you see, he would be the the next leader of the clan or tribe. And um, if if he wasn't worthy, then it would be given to another son. And uh, we see over and over again that, now, we saw that um, Ishmael, Ishmael, was born first. He was the firstborn. He was born to the birthright, but the birthright was going to go to Isaac Uh, The sages have drawn that conclusion um, from their midrash of the Hebrew scriptures. Now, there are uh, some other examples that are much clearer, so let me give you those. Um, uh, You know, Isaac had the the two sons. He had um, Esau and Jacob. Esau is called, he, he he had the inheritance of the birthright because he was the firstborn, but it was given to Jacob. Now, Jacob had 12 sons. Who was the firstborn? The firstborn was Reuben, Reuven. He was the firstborn. But it clearly tells us in Chronicles that the birthright to which he was born was given to Joseph. Now, Joseph had two sons. The firstborn was Manasseh. He was born to the birthright. Ephraim was the younger one. But Jacob put his right hand on Ephraim, and Joseph said, No, my father, no, 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 no. He's not the firstborn. He's not the one entitled to the birthright. It's Manasseh. But uh, Jacob said, No, no, this is what God wants. God is going to give the birthright to Ephraim. So we see it over and over again. Now, um, I have concluded from my work in Scripture that those who will inherit the birthright are going to be part of a remnant. Some people suggest that only the ones in the remnant are going to be saved, and that's only a small number of people in, from Israel, maybe those who believed in the coming of the Messiah or something like that. I, I, I don't agree. Um, and, and many people will say, oh, there's no remnant among Christians. Christians saved. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think we can see in the New Testament that there will be a remnant from the Christian Believers, just like there will be a remnant from the children of Israel. But but the point I want to make here is that these citations are in Romans 9, and they are suggesting what, what I see in Romans 9 to 11, that it's all about the selection of the remnant. For example, you get in, you go, go over to Romans 11, and there's a citation here from 1 Kings, and this is Elijah. They have killed your prophets, they have torn down your altars, and I alone am left. The left is the word for the remnant. The remnant are the ones who remain. God's going to make a selection process, and they're the ones who are left. They're the ones who remain. That's the remnant. Um, And they are seeking my life. And then how does God respond? God says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal, the Canaanite god. In other words, those he is selecting to inherit the birthright, who will be part of the remnant, have not bowed the knee to other gods. They've bowed the knee to the one and true God. 
And so they, and by the way, they're identified as servants in the Hebrew scriptures. Um, they're the ones who have, are, have humbled themselves. They, um, they submit to their Lord God. They, they obey him. They, and they walk in his ways. This, this is the remnant. So we, we started with this problem of Esau, where the citation said, um, uh, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And I showed you that if you if you get into the depth of it, into the artistic nature of the language, you're you're going to see. You know, don't rely on the English meanings. Don't rely on what other people have taught. Um, and 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 you know, you you need to learn how to get into the depth of scripture yourself. Now, let me show you an, another one that has caused a lot of trouble. It's in the book of Hebrews, and um, if you have your Bible, it's in Hebrews chapter twelve. We, and it's, it's going to be in chapter 12, verse 16, but let me start with verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it uh, many be defiled. And then it goes on, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his birthright for a meal, to, to get food. <laughs> he sold his birthright. And he is identified as immoral and godless. Now, if, if we take those English words, we, we draw the conclusion that God has dismissed Esau. You know, he's godless. He can't be belong to God. He can't belong to God. But, but not so, because godless is a very interesting word. It's not used very often. It's the Greek word bebelos, which, which simply, it, it, it's very interesting, because the visual image from that word means that you allow yourself to be trampled over. It's like you're on the ground and people are stepping all over you. That's the visual image of the word. So it has come to mean worldly, because if, if you're letting the world just stomp all over you, um, you're not walking in the ways of God. That's all it means. So it, it you know, and people who, um, it, look, in our fellowships today, you know, we, there's um, uh, bitterness and, and, and immorality and, and this, you know, worldly actions, letting people walk all over you with worldly ways. Uh, this happens among believers in Christ, but that doesn't mean that, you know, God has, has thrown them out. It, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that they are definitely walking in worldly ways, and for heaven's sakes, don't let your congregations, your fellowships, um, you know, have that spring of bitterness and all that kind of stuff that goes on, um, whereby many will be defiled. Um, and, and that's what, it, what it's talking about, because, you know, when we walk in godly ways, we get God... I mean, when we walk in ungodly ways, worldly ways, you know, we get consequences. We get clobbered in it. It splinters our fellowships. It, it causes um, backbiting and hard feeling and all these things that happen. We need to avoid that. Now, this, um, this is referring to an account in Genesis... Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. So what we have to do is we have to go back um, to, to Genesis to take a look at that. Now, many of you know this account uh, where um, Esau sold his birthright to, to his younger brother Jacob, and then Jacob got the blessing that went with that birthright by deceit, and his mother Rivka um, helped him with, with, with getting that birthright by deceit. So, um, I want to show you why Esau is unworthy to inherit the birthright. We're in Genesis chapter 
25. And in verse 19, you know, these are the, the, the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. And it goes on and it talks about the birth of, of um, Esau and, uh, and Jacob. And, uh, and then we get down to verse uh, 30. We're in Genesis chapter 25, verse 30. Jacob had been cooking this wonderful stew, and it smelled so good. And Esau came in from the field, and he was starving. And, he, and Esau said to his younger brother, Please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. I'm dying of hunger and famished. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, First sell me your birthright. Now listen, listen, listen. We're listening to the text. Listen. Esau, Esav, in Hebrew, Esav said, Behold, I am about to die. So of what use then is the birthright to me? If he's going to die from hunger, what use is the birthright? What this is telling us is that to be worthy of the birthright, we have to be willing to stand for God even unto death. Our mentor is our Lord Yeshua. He served God unto death. We have to be prepared to do that. That's a pretty hard thing to think about. But on the other hand, you know, God is, is selecting this, this remnant that is going to have a role to play in the future, and, and the remnant is going to be the one to defeat God's enemy because they're the ones who are prepared. I like to use the imagery of World War One and trench warfare. And, you know, they dug the trenches. They were down in the trenches, and um, and the bullets are zipping over them. You know, they're, they're protected down in their trenches, and the bullets are going over the, their heads. Zip, 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 you know. And then the, the, the general, well, who's the commander-in-chief? It's Yeshua. Yeshua says, are you ready? And every single person says, yes, sir. And on command, stand. And they stand, which means their heads go up where the bullets are shooting, and we have to obey. We have to trust. We have to obey. We have to be willing to die. We have to do whatever um, our Lord is asking us to do, um, knowing and, and trusting that it's going to serve God's purpose, and it is going to glorify God in some way, and it's going to accomplish what he is doing in this world. So that's why Esav was unworthy to inherit the birthright, and the birthright went to Jacob. Now, um, let's see. Oh, I want to I want to take a look at uh, the blessings, because because even though Esav did not receive the inheritance of the birthright, he he still inherited. He still received a blessing. And the same thing happens with the other sons who were born to the birthright but lost it. Let, let, let me go through that here. Um, it, we, it's very clear here that um, uh, Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons, and the firstborn was Reuven. He not only received a blessing, Jacob blessed all of his 12 sons, but he, his tribe inherited land in the promised land. So he received an inheritance. Uh, the inheritance was just interesting. I was just working on this in, um, I can't remember where I was in Genesis, but the inheritance is land and descendants. 
land and abundant descendants. That, that's the inheritance. You know, you're not going to get presents under the Christmas tree. You're going to inherit the land. You're going to, in, and to do that, you have to defeat the enemy to, to possess the land. Um, yarash is the Hebrew word, which means inherit. It also means to possess. So in other words, in order to claim your inheritance, the inheritance is given to you, but you have to go in and possess it. Um, and in order to possess it, you have to defeat the enemy. So that's the inheritance of the land. The other is the inheritance of abundant seed. But if you work scripture, you'll see that the abundant seed coming from those with the birthright will be righteous seed. God is selecting the righteous ones. And righteous doesn't have to be 100% perfect. God only sees the heart, fortunately. But God is selecting those whom he calls and their seed will be righteous seed. Now, that doesn't mean that all the other sons are not going to inherit because Reuben did inherit land. His, his tribe inherited land. And, and look at Joseph's two sons. Uh, the one who lost the birthright was was uh, Manasseh, but Manasseh's tribe inherited land also. So the one who does not get the birthright still inherits, just does not inherit um, inherit the birthright. So, and and my suggestion is that um, those who will inherit the birthright are going to be the remnant. They're going to be part of the remnant. So what what do we see now about Esau? We see that Esau is not worthy to inherit the birthright. He he was not willing to to obey unto death uh, and to serve unto death. He was not worthy to inherit the birthright. Um, I think there's... Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave you with some questions because the Hebraic way of teaching is not to say, oh, this is what scripture says. It's to... Is, is to my role is to teach you skills, to teach you how to get into Scripture, and even more than that, to generate questions in your mind so that you will go into Scripture yourself, and you're, you're not going to find them with a click of the finger. It takes time. It takes work. You really have to be dedicated to studying to studying Scripture. Um, and and you'll, God will allow you to see a little more and a little more and a little more. The more you study Scripture, the more you, He's going to allow you to see. There is so much to see. <laughs> And, uh, of course, it's very important to see how we are to walk in his ways now. But the, the biggest part of what you're going to see is, is the whole, um, is all the prophecy, what's going to happen in the future and all the prophecy, because the purpose of prophecy is so that you'll stand now. Um, but I think there's, there's some danger in saying that the Arabs are descended from Esau. The Arabs are evil, and uh, God is going to destroy them all, perhaps commit genocide or something's going to happen. You know, I, I, I just suggest that you stop and think about what we have looked at with, with Esau, where the, the thinking comes from about that, that hate, and, um, and, and ask yourself, you know, does, does, did Esau still belong to God? And if so, what will be his inheritance? And and if he's not worthy to inherit the the birthright and to be part of the remnant, then then what is the role? And and we ask the same questions about ourselves. You know, by the way, we cannot see who is worthy or unworthy to inherit the birthright because one of the requirements is to stand faithful to the end. And um, and so only God knows. Um, uh, and. I mean, we could know if we belong to God, but but we can't know if we're going to be part of the remnant. Only God knows. 
And of course, <laughs> for a reason, because you know he encourages you to stand. The more you know about the remnant, the more you want to stand for God. The more you stand for God, the more he is going to unveil to you about his prophetic future. So... Um, so what? So we've learned something about what well, I've raised questions for you about Esau, um, and suggested that you start asking yourself questions about Esau. But I think we've also seen some things here um, uh, that that we can relate to our lives today, because uh, we are to walk in the ways of the law. That means that we 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 must know what God wants us to do. We must know the commandments. What God wants us to do. But don't forget that those with faith in Yeshua also have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that gift of the Holy Spirit allows them to walk in the ways of God. It acts as a guide and and allows them to walk in the ways of God. So as I've explained before, we need a balance between the head and the heart. Uh, The Holy Spirit is in the heart. The law is in the head. and, And we need a balance between the two. We can't have all heart because people say to me, oh, the Holy Spirit told me what it meant. And, and that always, you know, upsets me because I think you have to have uh, head knowledge. Uh, you can't be exclusively just saying the, the Holy Spirit is telling me this or that. I, I don't, don't get me wrong. I think the Holy Spirit does guide us. We do get instruction. We do get guidance from the Holy Spirit. But we can't rely on that 100%. We have to be able to test it against the Word to make sure that we're getting it from the right source because it is possible to get it from the wrong source. So with that, um, let me just say again um, that you might want to go to BibleInteract.tv and check out our, our teachings there. And hopefully um, you'll be learning more about these skills of, of ancient methods to be able to get into the depth of Scripture. And with that, I will say, Shalom.